I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. I want to talk to you today about something mentioned in Psalm 84 from the subject from strength to strength. Psalm 84. If you could turn your attention to verse 5 and a few of the following, it says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Would you say pilgrimage? Would you say it stronger than that, please? Say pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Going back to the top of that, blessed is the man. B-L-E-S-S-E-D. The E-D suffix on the end of the word bless means to be continuous, continually blessed, to be blessed on a daily basis, on an ongoing basis. So we don't pronounce the word blessed as in past tense, but blessed, because it means it happens every day. Blessed is the man whose strength is not in himself, but whose strength is in God, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is a little different than a journey. Although a pilgrimage is a journey, it has a different motive, a different goal, a different objective. When you are a pilgrim, you are a person that is on a sacred mission You're not just moving from place to place, but there's a spiritual reason for your trip. So, blessed is the man whose strength is in the Lord while on his sacred mission or sacred trip um, passes through while on that spiritual journey, that spiritual excursion, that spiritual mission, he will pass through a place called the Valley of Baca. But he, while in the Valley of Baca, will make it, or the valley, a spring. The rain, rain, covers it, the Valley of Baca, with pools. But the person on the pilgrimage, or the spiritual journey, Uh, The person with spiritual goals, spiritual growth, the blessed man or woman, they go from strength to strength. You'll notice it does not say they go from weakness to strength, but rather they go from a position of strength to a greater position of strength. Each one appears now before God in Zion. Clearly, there's a journey that is laid out here in Psalm 84 that has to do with progress. It has to do with growth. It has to do with our maturation. 
It has to do with our advance. They go from strength to strength. They're not just going through changes in life, but they're going through a transition. Now, that's important because change can be for the good or the bad. Change can be that which we appreciate or change can be that which we regret. But a pilgrimage is not just a place or journey of changes, but rather of transition. Because everyone in this room who is a child of God is on a pilgrimage. You're on a journey. You're on a sacred mission. Although it didn't feel like it, but when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you started a journey that has been ongoing ever since that day. Your life is moving from one place to another, but it's all in the will of God. That's why prayer is important, because we're staying in touch with the source of our strength. Prayer does not exist to impress God. It does not exist to inform God nor does prayer exist in order for us to enlighten God, but prayer exists for us to invite God. God already knows what we have going on. He already knows what's happening in our lives. He already knows what we're dealing with, and he already knows what's dealing with us. But we invite God to join us while we're on the way. The old saints that gave the church over to us, sang about this journey all the time. They would sing songs like, walk with me, Lord, walk with me. While I'm on this tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. They would sing about, precious Lord, take my hand. Why? Because they recognized they were on a mission. That they didn't invite the Lord in just to help them out. They understood that God had a purpose in their lives. And everyone in this room should understand that God has a purpose for your life. Because there is a purpose for your life, it's important that we be made fit for the purpose. When I accepted the Lord years ago, I didn't have any real strength to speak about. But the strength that I did have was faith in Jesus' name. Because I had faith in Jesus' name for all these years that I've been a Christian, he has moved me forward in life from strength to strength. I started off with the strength of faith, just believing that Jesus is the Son of God, crucified for my sins, rose from the dead. That's a position of strength. But as I walk with God, as I learn more about God, as I worship God, my strength increased. And over the years, I've gone from one strong place to an even stronger place. Now, that's called transition. Now, a transition is when we move from one form, state, or style, or place to another. It's, it's also, secondly, a period in childbirth, just before labor. That's called a transition, and it's characterized by those strong contractions that a female could have. So wherever there's a transition, there's not only a movement, but there's a birthing. There's a birthing of a revelation. There's a birthing of something else that God wants to do in you. A lot of us enter into struggle in life because we resist the transition. 
We would like to stay where we are. We would like for church to remain as it is, worship to stay like it is, our prayer life to stay like it is. But there are things that happen to us in life that cause us to have to intensify what we're doing in prayer and intensify what we do in worship. That is called transition. Transition is not easy. It is when we get comfortable in one place, but God wants to move us on to another place. We resist change, basically because once we get comfortable, we can master where we are, not recognizing that God never wants us to stay in the same place for the rest of our lives. We're on a mission. We're on a journey. We're answering a call, and that calling sometimes works itself out when we're dealing with problems and situations on our job or problems and situations with our family or problems and situations in our personal life. Just as you see the painful entry of a baby into the world, the next level of my service to God is going to be the result of some pain in my life. I wouldn't be who I am in the Lord now, whatever I am in the Lord, if it were not for the pain in my past. But the painful moments in my past was actually the birthing of another level of my work for God, my service to God, and my love for God. I love the Lord more because of what I've been through than I do because of what he's done for me. Yes, God does things for us, and we ought to thank God for that. But what we also need to understand is the uncomfortable places in life are from the Lord also. The painful places in life are from the Lord also. The dark days, the bad days, the rough days, the hard days, all of that is a part of this spiritual journey. As we go forward in life, we have to recognize the desire for God is for our faith to get stronger and stronger. The desire of the Lord is for our service to increase in strength. The desire of the Lord is for us to serve him with more intensity and to serve him with more power and to have more authority as children of God. But all of that comes through trial and test. Children right now are going back to school. Most of them are going to another grade, higher than the grade they were in last year. Well, how do you move from one grade to the next? Through testing, through testing, through having to fill out certain things and having to answer certain questions, having to learn at one age and stage so that at the next age you can be at a different stage. And the same thing is true in our spiritual walk. We go through what we go through, not because the devil is after us, but because God is going to use whatever we're going through to work out for our increase and our advance. I wish I had a Bible reader because the Bible said we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. It doesn't say we know that all good things work together. It doesn't say we know that all lovely things work together. Nor does it say we know that all happy things work together. Nor does it say that we know that all sweet things work together. But all things work together. The bitter works with the sweet. 
the dark works with the light. That which we hate works with that which we love. But it's all working for a greater good. That's what a pilgrimage is all about. But not only is that, but you understand when people are pilgrims, they are pioneers. Can you say pioneers? Pioneers have to go through rough territory that's never been trod upon before. They have to break open ground that's never been seeded before. They have to learn how to dig trenches and ditches and they have to learn how to place reservoirs where water can come and water ground that's never been watered before. And because we're on a pilgrimage, the way God wants to use you is not the way that you've ever seen in anybody else. Whatever you see others doing, you can appreciate it, but don't try to copy it. Because God wants a first-class you, not for you to be a second-class somebody else. You may admire somebody's gift or talent. That's all right. But please don't try to be them, because what God has for you is for you. And the place where he needs you, he doesn't need two of me. He only needs one of me and one of you. I wish I had some help. One of the problems in the body of Christ right now is that we admire people, we revere people, but we go too far and make heroes out of them. So we want to preach like some preach. We want to sing like others sing. We want to shout like some folks shout. But what God really wants is your being an individual. He wants your individuation. He wants you to be what he made you to be. And whatever God made you to be is different than what he made me to be. We may both have two hands and two feet. We may both have one mouth. But God has a different mission for my hands than he does for your hands. God needs my feet to carry me where your feet won't carry you. God needs my mouth to testify on things you can't even talk about because I'm on my own pilgrimage. Admiration is good, but heroism is dangerous. I wish I had a witness here. Hero worship is dangerous. You know why some people have fallen out of church? Because they admired some preacher too much. You know why some people have fallen back is because they put too much confidence in other human beings. The truth is a human being is a human being is a human being. My prayers don't get any further than yours. I wish I had some help. Listen, I'm not better than you because I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to you because God chose me. He didn't choose me because I was better. He chose me because that's what he decided to do. And because he makes the decisions and I don't, I submitted to him knowing that I had some problems. Well, if I know I got some hang-ups and some problems, God knows I got hang-ups and problems too. But God chose me despite of my hang-ups and problems. And when God wants to use you, he doesn't look at your rap sheet. I wish I had a witness. He doesn't try to figure out whether you're qualified or not. What he's looking for is somebody he can anoint. What he's looking for is somebody he can enable. What he's looking for is somebody he can use. Don't try to use God. Let God use you. I, let me try that again. Did that come out where you got that? Because we live in a world where church people try to send God on errands and tell God what to do for them for their day and tell God how to bless them.
and tell God how to deliver them and tell God what kind of mate they want and tell God what kind of money they want and tell God what the job is they want and tell God what career they want. We try to get God to serve us when we're supposed to be serving God. The truth is, on that job where you're not making much money could be the place of your assignment. God don't need the job to bless you. He can bless you with or without the job. What he needs is you in that place at that time in order to make a difference by letting your light shine. I wish I had a witness. And somebody needs to stop singing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. We need to change that to this big light of mine. Because I don't have a little light. My testimony is powerful. My relationship with God is powerful. The way I love the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength is powerful. We need to stop minimizing our value in the kingdom of God. Because I'm on a pilgrimage. Can you say pilgrimage? Because I am moving. Because I am on my way. Remember what they used to sing in the old church? I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? You said, well, they were talking about dying. No, those old folk understood that this is a mission that we're on. We accepted the Lord. We took his blood. We took his forgiveness. And then he set us on a course. And that course sometimes rising. I wish I had a witness. And sometimes falling. Sometimes feeling good. And sometimes misunderstood. Sometimes appreciated. And sometimes lied on. But I'm going to press on. Anyhow. So there are three stages to our spiritual pilgrimage or our spiritual development. Three stages. Number one is awareness. Can you say awareness? You have to be made aware of who you are, what God wants with you, what your mission is. It may be in ministry. It may be in music. It, it may be service. But you have to be aware. Once you lock in on what God wants with you, hold on to it. And don't disrespect it because it's not as glamorous as somebody else's job. Let me try that again. I wish I could get a little help. You see, sometimes we think if it ain't big, it's not worth putting my all in it. You know, people now, everywhere I go, everybody wants the microphone. Everybody wants to preach now. Everybody talking about they got a ministry now. Everybody wants to help. Listen, understand wherever God put you is where your blessings are. You say, oh, but I, I could make more money if I did something. No, it's not about the money. It's about the blessing. And, and as much as some folk don't want to get this, money ain't a blessing to everybody. I've known some folk to get money and it ended up being more of a curse for them than a blessing. It's, it's not about the dollar sign. It's about being in God's favor. Are you aware of who you are? Well, once you're aware, then comes number two, preparation. Because whether you're a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord or security on the parking lot or preaching in the pulpit, all of us got to get prepared. 
You can't serve God without preparation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But there's more than one kind of preparation. One kind of preparation is called education. Another kind is called experience. You're not hearing me. Education you can get from a book. But experience you got to live through something. And a preacher that's got all education and no experience is dangerous. Because they will talk about what they learned in the classroom. But they can't talk about what they've learned in life. You got to know what you're talking. It's not enough to say, if I were you, I would do this when I ain't never gone through what you went through. But if I've been through what you're going through, from experience, I can tell you which way you need to take. Preparation. We got to love preparation. We got to love practice. If I'm going to sing, I got to love rehearsal. More than I love singing on Sunday morning. I wish I had a witness. If, I, if I'm going to minister, I got to love research more than I love preaching. If I'm going to work as a dog keeper, I got to love getting my clothes ready. I got to love getting my grooming together. I can't be greeting people with breath that smells like a garbage dump. I've got to be prepared to serve God by serving people. Preparation. But check this out. The mountains in life, listen, the rough places in life are also a part of your preparation. Show me a person with a sweet attitude and I'll show you where that person has caught more hell than you ever imagined. It's the rough places in life that gave them that sweet disposition, that humbled them to the point that they could do what they're doing. When you see a proud and arrogant person, they hadn't been through too much. I wish I had a witness. They hadn't been through anything. It's the, it's the rough areas of life, that sandpaper, that pride off of you, where you can say good morning to everybody that you meet, where you don't have picks and chooses, big eyes and little U's, but it is the actual rough places in life that humble you and bring you down. And after awareness and preparation, thirdly, there's confirmation. Can you say confirmation? Being aware of who you are in the Lord is not enough. Being prepared is not enough. But you got to have confirmation. You got to be confirmed. You see that in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is conceived of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is born by the Virgin Mary. But when he grows up, he doesn't just take off in ministry. He is God in the flesh. He is God the Son, and he is the Son of God. But when it's time for him to start a ministry, you don't see him just starting a ministry. At 30 years old, when he leaves Mary's house, he doesn't set up an office somewhere and put a sign on the door, Son of God inside, come on in. He doesn't start a preaching pulpit ministry. You know what he does? He finds his cousin John. Well, why does he need to find John? Because John was already in the ministry. See, John the Baptist was born in the ministry. Jesus was born, and his father, the man that raised him, wasn't a priest. He was a carpenter. 
if Jesus is going to do ministry, he's got to get with somebody already in the ministry. See, John was a Levite, and all ministries came from the Levites. Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah, and no ministry came out of Judah. If he's going to do ministry work, somebody who's a Levite has to confirm him so that he can go forth and become our Savior. I wish I had a witness. See, John the Baptist is a Levite. He was born in the priesthood. His father, Zechariah, was a priest. But John didn't grow up the traditional way. He didn't like traditional Judaism. So he didn't wear rabbinical attire. He wore camel's hair. He, he didn't eat a kosher Jewish diet. He ate locusts and wild honey. He, he was a man that looked by every stretch of the imagination like a crazy man. But he was still born in the bloodline of the ministry. Jesus is 30 years old. He leaves home. He goes away from Mary, his mother, and his brothers and sisters. But he doesn't go out and start ministry. Somebody has to confirm him. See, be scared of people that say they're in ministry and ain't nobody confirmed them. Be scared of people say that they've been called to preach, but nobody licensed them. Nobody ordained them. Nobody laid hands on them. They said, yeah, but if God called me, I don't need flesh to confirm it. Yes, you do. Because if God called you, you won't be the only one who knows it. I wish I had a witness. Others will know it. Others who are preaching will know it. Others who are not preachers will know it. Oh, gray-haired Aunt Jane that shouts every Sunday, she'll know whether you've been called or not. When God does something, it ain't no secret. I wish I had a witness. And when Jesus is ready to do ministry, he hears that his cousin John is holding a baptism meeting at the Jordan River. Now, the baptism is for sinners. Jesus ain't no sinner. The baptism is for Jews that are repenting towards the kingdom of God. Jesus don't need no repentance. Why does he go to John? Because Jesus needed confirmation. So when he goes down to John, he walks in the river. You know the story. John says, oh, no, this ain't right. He said, I ought to be getting baptized by you. He said, uh-uh, suffer this to be so, for it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. Why is he telling him that? In other words, he's saying to John, I need you to set me up for ministry. Somebody's got to lay hands on me. So John lays hands on him to baptize him. I wish I had a witness. Why does he do that? Because, listen, Jesus has to have order in his own ministry. So you got to have confirmation. Now I know what Jesus did was right. Come on now. Because John baptized God in Jordan. And while God was being baptized in Jordan, God descended from heaven in the form of a dove and lit upon God in Jordan. And while God was on God in Jordan, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There has to be confirmation. You said, but why? And I'm, I'm about done. You said, but why do I need to go through transition? Well, Psalm, Psalm, help, the Psalm helps us. The Psalm that I read helps us. It said that we're on a 
pilgrimage. Would you say that again, please? I'm on a what? What, you, what, what? what I need you to understand is that everything you have gone through, the good and bad, the things that happened and the mistakes you made are all working together. Everything you've gone through since you've been saved is all working together. And it's a part of your pilgrimage and there are transitions along the way. You said, but pastor, I messed up real bad. Who hasn't? But God uses it. Why are you being so shy and bashful about that mess you made 10 years ago? You need to be testifying and helping somebody out that's going through the same thing now you went through then. So, but what's the purpose of it? Number one, maturity. Can the church say maturity? Say it again, please. Say what? Oh, don't you know God wants us to grow up? God wants us to be adults. God wants us to be strong. We, we, we take that phrase, children of God, too literally. We're not supposed to be childish or childlike. We're supposed to be mature. And the only way I know to help children mature is to give them hard assignments. I wish I had somebody. I mean, it's one thing to clean up behind a baby when he's 15 days old. But it's another thing to clean up behind him when he's 15 years old. I wish I had some help. See, it's one thing for me to go in your room and straighten it out when you're nine months old. It's another thing when you're 19 years old. And in too many cases, we're cleaning up behind grown folk, trying to help grown folk, trying to keep grown folk all paid up, spending our money on grown folk when grown folk need to be grown. The chief job of a parent is maturity. Help those children grow up and be mature. And God is our father. And he keeps giving me tough assignments. And he won't help me when he knows I can do it myself. Some people say, well, God didn't answer certain prayers I prayed. It's probably because the Lord knows you ought to be able to handle that. He ain't got to help you with your enemies. You know how to handle that. I wish I had a witness. Jesus already told you, love your enemies. And put them on the prayer list. And if you start praying for them to have in their life what you want to have in your life, your enemies will soon leave you alone. See, your problem is you praying that God will hurt your enemy, destroy your enemy, kill your enemy. Honey, that's not how Christians pray. We're supposed to pray that God will bless your enemy, heal your enemy, prosper your enemy. Because once they get their life together, they'll stop being your enemy. You know why they hating on you? Do you really understand why they don't like you? Do you really understand why they backstab you? It's because they ain't got no life of their own. You know, a person who's jealous, they don't, they're not jealous of you because they want what you have. They're jealous because they don't want you to have it. 
I wish I had some help here. Maturity. Say maturity. Man up to your mess. Some people want to run to the altar every Sunday. Need prayer. Need prayer. I need prayer. Man up. I got an announcement for you. There's sickness in this world. There's struggle in this world. There's, there's, there are financial problems in this world. God does not exist to keep us free from those things. But what he will do is what his word said he will do. And Jesus said, I've already overcome the world. Mature, man up. But the next reason that we go through transition is matriculation. Can I get anybody to help me say that? Matriculate. And matriculate, you know, they say, well, uh, Pastor Pickens here, she matriculated at such and such a seminary. Boy, that sounds big, doesn't it? She matriculated. But you know what that really means? She is a part of a certain group, a certain class that came through a certain body of knowledge. She's got her bachelor's degree. She's got her doctorate degree. She matriculated. Well, somebody up in here is matriculating right now at the University of Adversity. Somebody right here is making your way through a college of chaos. Look at me. You don't see my cap and gown, but I graduated. <laughs> I've had my ups and downs. I've had my adversity. I've had my hard knocks. I'm an honor student. And I'm proud of it. Now I know, I know, I know if, 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 if when you were going through it, you hated it. But is there anybody here like me that can look back at what you went through and thank God for it now? Oh, I wish I had some help here. See, I know I don't look like what I've been through. Hey, reach over, touch your neighbor, say neighbor. I've been through hell. And I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. pretty good today but oh if you could have been there at the midnight hour if you could have been there when I was broke in the bank account was overdrawn and no money in my pocket and the car was broken down and the roof was leaking if you could have been there when I couldn't see my way out and all I knew was to call on the Lord But I got a testimony. You know what my testimony is? If you call on Jesus, he will answer prayer. Now, before I went to the University of Adversity, I'd hear folk in church testifying, but I didn't know what they were talking about. You remember that? They'd be up, God is my doctor, he my healer. Well, I've never been sick. I didn't know what they were talking about. 
I used to get up, I, they used to get up and say, oh, oh, the Lord made a way out of no way. But see, I never had that problem. But now that I've been to school, now that I've matriculated, now that I've had some hard knocks, now that I've been shaken back and forth, now that I've had some beating from side to side, I know he's able. And he'll answer prayer. I have matriculated. Third reason for your transition is called ministry. God wants to get something out of you to help somebody else. That person sitting on that row in front of you, God wants to use you to be a blessing to them. Come on now. That person down the row from you, God wants to use you to bless them. But real ministry comes from the heart, not from the mouth. Real ministry. See, you went through a lot as a teenage girl. Some stuff is so private you don't want to tell it. But honey, what you went through can actually help a hundred other teenagers to not go through it. Am I making any sense here? See, real ministry comes out of the person's soul. It comes out of the depths of their heart. What you are trying to hide is actually the ministry that God has given to you because of your matriculation. Ministry. I'm a minister. Any other ministers in this room? All of you are ministers. I hate the fact I hate the fact, Pastor Brace, that people started using the term minister as a title. Minister Young. Because then it started making folk feel like you had to be in a certain group at church to be a minister. See, all preachers are ministers. But all non-preachers are ministers too. You don't need a title. You just need to testify. I hate the fact that we stop the testimony service because there are some things that can only come out in a testimony meeting. See, we got the Bible, the word of God, but when somebody gets up and talks about the doctor saying they would be dead in six months, and it's been six years and the doctor died last year. I don't have a witness here. When somebody gets up and talks about the struggle they had with their children and the drug problem that their son and daughter had, but now they've been clean for five years because they kept that child on the altar and they kept them lifted up before God and they called their name out to God every prayer meeting. When somebody testifies, it lets me know what's possible for me. Ministry, and then to move you along. I'm through. 
three minutes and I'm through. Say, move you along. Move you along. Pilgrimage. Let me, let me read that verse to you again. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. You know, I preached around the world, but I've yet to find the valley of Baca. Uh, I preached on four continents of the earth, but nobody ever took me on a tour to the valley of Baca. I've traveled up and down the United States. I, I mean, from coast to coast, north to south. I, I never seen the valley of Baca. You know why? It don't exist. There is no place on the earth called the Valley of Baca. You know what it really is? It's a poetic and picturesque way of talking about the valley of darkness in your life. The word Baca translated means tears. While passing through, I'm through. The valley of tears. You've been to Baca? I have. I've been to the Baca associated with bereavement. The Baca associated with breakups. The Baca associated with danger, trouble. The Baca associated with heartbreak. Anybody been to Baca? The valley of Baca is the valley of pain, tension, questioning, stretching. We all got to go to Baca. Honey, don't look at me strange. If you ain't been there, keep on living. One day you're going to wake up in Baca. And ain't no telling how long you're going to be there. Sometimes a week, sometimes a day, sometimes a month, sometimes a long season. But you're going to Baca. Life! Boy, you know, I feel like pulling this thing. I will bring you to Baca. But I want you to see the verse again. It says, while passing through. You got ahead of me then. You, you saw it, right? While passing through. It's, it's kind of like that verse in the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though. I walk through the valley. Listen. There was a uh, old on the plantation. There was an old black man working for old white man. You know how they talk. Old white man named John. He said, John, you, you got a favorite Bible verse? I know you can't read. John said, yes, sir. I got a favorite Bible verse. He said, well, what is it? He said, well, sir, my favorite Bible verse is all over the Bible. It says, and it came to pass. 
He laughed at him, Rube. He said, oh, Jonah, that, what you talking about? It came to pass. That ain't no Bible verse. He said, yes, sir, it is. It's all over the Bible. He said, don't you see, sir? It don't come to stay. It comes to pass. Whatever you're going through, it came to pass. Whatever your heartbreak, it came to pass. Whatever your trial, it came to pass. While walking through the valley of Baca, you're not going to stay there, but it came to pass. No matter your heartache, no matter your trial, no matter your situation, whatever you're going through, yes, Lord, you're moving through the valley of the shadow of death. No matter what goes on in your life, you know what you got to remember. God is always in charge. And I heard him when he said, Call me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you did not know. And I want to close by telling you, I don't care what you're dealing with. No weapon formed against me shall prosper.